Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Corporate Activist. I'm your host, Siri Kulsa. On today's episode, I'm delighted to speak with Asanka Demel. He is the founder of Lavi Sarong Company, based in Colombo, Sri Lanka. Asanka founded Lavi in 2016 to create an authentic and united fashion identity rooted in Sri Lankan ethos, with the hope of sharing his love of this island paradise, its people, and its culture with the world. Two things you should know. He's a visionary working towards developing Sri Lanka, and he's hell-bent on building Lovey into an international fashion brand. Before starting Lovey, Asanka spent 20-plus years in the U.S. tech industry in Silicon Valley and New York City. He's a graduate of Harvard Kennedy School and the University of Texas in Austin. He currently lives in Colombo, Sri Lanka with his wife, Marguerite, and their two sons, Leo and Kaveh. Welcome, Asanka. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Asanka, thank you for joining us from Sri Lanka, where it's a little bit later for you today. So, and you're just off the heels of um, of Sri Lanka Fashion Week, which sounds like it was a really exciting time for you. Yeah, it's a really nice time. Uh, you get to try something new, a lot of new ideas. And uh, Colombo Fashion Week is uh, a wonderful time to get together with all the people and clients and fans and everybody. There's a lot of also idea, uh, other people flying in, so it's a great chance to kind of come up with new ideas, new energy. Excellent. Well, Asanka, before we get too much into into Sarongs and Lovey, I'd just love to know if you can share a little bit with our audience more about your background. And you're originally from Sri Lanka, but you did your education in the States and worked, um, as we said in the, in the introduction, in the tech industry. Um, so it's kind of a, a bit a bit different than, than Sarongs. So tell us how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, bo- I'm born and raised in, in Sri Lanka. I actually went to school here uh, through high school. And uh, when it came to undergraduate uh, studies, I had a chance to go to University of Texas, Austin. I studied computer science there. Uh, right away, got into the startups. I really loved the energy of it, being able to create something that you can imagine uh, uh, in your head and make it actually happen it's a wonderful set of skills to have be able to make it happen and uh, especially with all the innovation that's coming all the tools out there it's getting fast and fast to get an idea out into at least where people can respond so and then you know 20 years actually went by you know several companies later uh, you know, each company may be three to five years or even a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, you just learn a lot. Uh, and if you look at like the trajectory of, say, it, it, from 2000 to 2020, the amount of wealth and growth that the U.S. tech industry, just even only the U.S. tech industry has added, it's, it's fabulous. Uh, if you look at all the major companies, uh, the way we communicate, where we live, this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> all the tech platforms have come. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, and the way the future uh, is going, all of that innovation has come. And I was, I had a, you know, front row seat. You were there in the early days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I was, I started, uh, my first job was in 2000. Uh, right after the bust of the tech industry, so a great time to get in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we had a, I mean, amazing. I always had amazing 
you know, managers and mentors, essentially, um, you know, who's gone on to do great, great things. So I learned from them and you got a chance to absorb how you get an idea that is nothing, you know, just, uh, you know, how do you go from the back of the envelope to <laughs> to this billions and trillions dollar companies, you know, and, uh, and, and that's a wonderful skill set. And I wanted to bring that home. Um, you know, I, like you said, we met at Kennedy School and, uh, uh, it was a life-changing experience for me in that it gave me another set of skills and tools and know-how and confidence to try uh, something. So you had, how long were you actually in the States then? I was there since, you know, essentially about 95 to 2020, roughly. So about 24 years, 25 years. And so... I'm curious, what made you decide to return to Sri Lanka after 25 years in the U.S.? That's a good question. I think I always wanted to, you know, see how Sri Lanka could, how I could participate in the development of Sri Lanka. And an uh, obvious way would be to, you know, get in the tech industry that is booming over here. Uh, uh, but I wanted to do something, especially after Kennedy School conversation, to see you know, what are some of the root causes and can I get in, in involved in that? I think uh, it took a little, you know, a few years after Kennedy School event to kind of get a concept that's large enough and a framework for me to kind of get engaged here. And uh, especially after the war ended in 2009, I think it was time for me to think and, you know, and I also I had a break uh, with uh, with the last company I was working, and then it was a good time for me to see if I can, you know, come here, uh, do something, get something started, because all of these projects take a long time. So you were working in tech, but you come you come back to Sri Lanka and you found a sarong company, and I know that <laughs> a fashion company. And I know that, you know, that it was a surprise to me when I when I heard about that, because I wouldn't, even though you're a very stylish man, I wouldn't have um, immediately assumed <laughs> that you would be going into the fashion in industry. So why the switch to fashion? Well, the switch to fashion is around identity. Essentially, if you want to, you know, if, if Sri Lanka wants to develop in, you know, it's, it wants to see itself as a developed country, it has to have a narrative. Uh, an identity and a narrative and a story around how and what we are and a vision that that allows us to be become that and uh, and part of and a large part of this beginning of this root course is like what confidence you have as a, as a collective or a na- country or a nation or a uh, you know, a group of tribes or whatever that identity is there today, and what does it need to be in order to be a developed country? So, and 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 when I looked at it, what the identity we need to have the type of values that we need into future. Uh, for, for example, one is multiculturalism. Uh, you know, one is uh, sort of like non-racism. Uh, uh, one is hard work, uh, one is self-belief, 
um, you know, all of these things that are that needs to be part of that identity, that conversation, that narrative needs to be there. And particularly coming from a colonial background, a lot of the local identity is subdued. It is seen as largely a novelty, uh, and, but largely, in a, you know, at second or a third place to Western and, you know, foreign culture. And it is not only just an aesthetic issue. Uh, it, it very much is reflected in the economic structures, the, the salary scales, and across the board. So the sarong was essentially a local, the clothing identity of the past. It's uh, unicef. Can you describe what a sarong is, just in case we have some listeners who don't know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the sarong or the traditional you know, Sri Lankan clothing, is, sarong is actually a loop. Uh, it's essentially two yards or two meters of roughly two meters of fabric, uh, the two hems stitched together into a loop. Uh, in many, it's uh, in some cultures uh, they don't, you know, stitch it. We call it dhoti in India, and and the sarong is actually prevalent across almost all the tropics. Yeah, all the way from say Indonesia, where the word comes from. Uh, to uh, you know, Africa, even the Caribbean, some form of you know, uh, for warm temperatures, this is a pretty, pretty handy piece of clothing. <laughs> it was prevalent here, so and it was people who wear it, you know, it was at some point looked down upon because the, uh, especially with the colonial period. So we wanted to take something like that and provide a tangible experience where not only the intellectual set who can kind of agree with this, but a physical manifestation that everybody touch and feel and say, hey, you know, I'm proud to wear this. Uh, you know, I, I am proud to be this. Not arrogant, but proud because it, it, has, it is elevating their own culture. So it wasn't that you actually wanted to be a, a fashion tycoon. It was actually that you had there were some some values that you wanted to encourage, and you thought this was a vehicle for that. Yes, because uh, it's it's something I could you know imagine genes because you can reach a vast uh, group across. You know, if you did only like haute couture or something you might reach a group but it might not you know filter down to a large group of people but we are taking the jeans and we are putting the confidence in the jeans that it's cool to wear it it's okay to be sri lankan and and that kind of uh is a powerful message especially for a you know group that's looking and especially for the young people who are looking to uh, find the rhythm yeah, right. Or oh, to, to something to belong to. Yeah, and so how's the reaction been? Well, the, the first years, uh, the reaction now is really, really good. Um, you know, we are. It's been accepted. You know, into larger and larger circles of and and the the fashion thing came about because largely. I wanted it to be accepted by the fashion community because I felt if I can get the fashion community to accept this idea, uh, first the product has to be good enough. Like and because they are the biggest critics, and 
you know, if I can make them happy to wear it, excited and all of that, then I have something that, you know, I can, you know, later on make a bigger circle. So that's how the, we got into the fashion part because I think it was my desire to get that community to really adapt it and become the, so to speak, the ambassadors of this mm -hmm. message. And, and it's a textiles is a big industry in in, in yes. anyway. Yes, textiles and apparel is a big industry. We have a amazing skill set here, um, not only in manufacturing but in terms of management and design even. So uh, you know, and it has matured over the last maybe fifty years into high skill uh, uh, products and high skill uh, work. Hmm. And. So tell us a little bit about the process of, of making and designing sarongs. So um, like any other fashion, it's es essentially expression. It's me, um, I, and I did design most of the concept for each of the collections. And it's essentially what is that we wanted to communicate. And I spend a fair amount of time with um the public so to speak that they are fans and clients just to get a sense of you know and i live and breathe this so um i know the you know so to speak the finger on the pulse uh, and and that is what we are trying to interpret through clothing through expression and where are where the products being made and who's making them and where does the fabric come from <laughs> Everything's made in Sri Lanka, including the fabric or most of the fabric. Uh, we have some um, artisan uh, weaving uh, called hand loom. So it's, the fabric is handmade. Uh, we have also fair number of mills uh, that is doing large scale manufacturing. But almost all of the fabric that we use are made in Sri Lanka by us and uh, you know largely designed. And all the products are also made by us. Uh, in our own workshops. And so how has your skill set from the tech industry <laughs> um, served you now as as the founder and, and CEO of a fashion brand? I, I think the biggest one, being in like maybe five startups before, is, you know, just yeah, the, you have a high tolerance for pain. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and high high tolerance for volatility. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, I think that is really helpful. Has been helpful, especially given the last five years we've had in Sri Lanka. Uh, you yeah. know, through uh, so it's. Uh, I, I think that has served me very well. Um, the other part is actually just like I said earlier, um, being able to like if you think most tech companies. Uh, you take uh, essentially a back of the envelope or a napkin idea into a you know, mega company. Mm -hmm. And it takes time, of course, but um, that's that process I've, I've been through myself and uh, observed many, many times. Mm. And there's a lot of learnings uh, in there, yeah. particularly on, on being patient. Uh, even as mm. much as it sounds like you know all the tech companies have to grow to be a unicorn in two years the reality is most of them take you know quite a bit of time mm. and if they haven't the founders have been do working on that problem in a different company for <laughs> 10 <laughs> 20 years before that's yeah. those are big learnings mm. 
Well, I have to say that one of the particular reasons I really wanted to have you on as a guest for the podcast was that we happened to have the opportunity to have dinner at your house in Colombo <laughs> a month ago, which was excellent. Um, and while we were talking over a delicious meal, um, you were saying how um, in these last few years, you had really been having some very interesting conversations with your customers. And you said you were measuring while you're measuring um, men for their wedding suits, which <laughs> number one surprised me because I didn't think you actually did measuring yourself. <laughs> but <laughs> you said you were doing measurements and, and having conversations with people from all over the country and that that was actually giving you some different ideas about what Sri Lanka could be and what the needs of the people were. And, and so I was really curious about how you were seeing that um, evolution of what Lovey could be and what, you know, even your role could be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best things about this company is I meet people from all over Sri Lanka and from all uh, strata of industry or economics or wealth even uh, for that matter because you know everybody wears this is the national costume so when they want <laughs> a good one made they usually call me uh, <laughs> so like that it, we've been very lucky um, and, and and that also allows me to have a like a finger on the pulse of Sri Lanka because you're having so many conversations you know so uh, and i and that's one of the most enjoyable parts to me and because the company is on the mission of creating a new identity or a new culture or a new set of values uh, it's it is the primary job of the company the clothing is almost a manifestation of it to allow people to feel and express a feeling but don't want to necessarily say out loud right and so are you, you're finding more and more people are interested in wearing traditional dress for weddings, perhaps, or big occasions rather than Western-type clothing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it, it's not, you know, Western-type clothing versus Eastern-type clothing. It's that as people are, you know, getting to a certain level in their both uh, leisure whether it's because they have accumulated enough money or time or whatnot, their self-identity of who you are is becoming that important question. And if the moment you ask, who am I? Uh, and, and where you're born is part of it. And the value uh, that is represented into that country. So, for example, if you're born in Sri Lanka versus if you're born in say the brand identity of america or the brand value of sri lanka or the brand value of say uh, sudan or, or some place that's you know in in a quite a bit of difficulty maybe another place that's quite a bit of it's different and that is a part of your identity if you know so to speak your country is a para in the you know, you at the UN, then by definition, even though you might have nothing to do with it, your self worth is being questioned. And, uh, you know, and you can't escape it. It's in your passport, it's in your identity, you know, in a certain way, it's in your uh, memory. 
if even if it's not in your blood it's in your memory and you can't escape it so what we are doing is essentially to provide the most confident way to express being sri lankan uh, being being true being honest being able to see yourself in in uh, in a highlight and when you first started walking around in your sarong uh, <laughs> what was the reaction well i mean i think it was you know it was 5 years ago maybe and very few people wore it nobody you know would wear it to the places that i would wear it to <laughs> right. uh, I, you know and then uh, you know they probably thought some fashion dude you know lost or something uh, <laughs> and then but um now it's becoming more prevalent this uh the idea of it is actually even more and i'm particularly particularly uh, happy there was a 15 year old kid who did a post uh, you know uh, on his instagrams he took a snap photo with me at some restaurant he met me and it is said um you know i did this company and asanka was one one of the reasons i started looking at my own culture after you know essentially tried to push it away yeah, yeah. for a long time and coming from a 15 year old kid <laughs> this is this is high praise yeah uh, you know to to get you know because i think uh, the the part is you know identity is a really important issue and mm. it goes into your self worth and mm. your self worth kind of demands and determines um what you do with your life mm. and certainly sri lanka has been through some difficult times um both during you know a, a prolonged civil war that finally came to an end but even more recently there's been some political troubles and and so seems like it's sort of really important for people to have something that they can attach to that feels positive and feels hopeful also because i think that's a really important part right absolutely absolutely i mean hope is you know especially in a difficult times hope is essential uh, that that tomorrow is going to be better than today and there will be a tomorrow that some of these troubles will be no longer so um that and that is definitely something that lobby provides because it it tries to show um uh, it in not in a false hope but that you know that you can make something something happen uh, especially if you're willing to you know work in a longer period of time and it's funny cuz even something um in a way something as simple as what you're wearing actually has has a really big impact right um or has potential it has a big impact everybody every day everybody wakes up takes a shower looks in the mirror puts some clothes on and and uh, it it is a statement um you know i mean uh, it's not the price of the clothing but the fact that you you are choosing what to wear that day uh and it's you're trying to communicate with the rest of the world what you feel and what you want to express so and and if i can empower that you know and then can the company can provide a set of choices that didn't exist uh that is the empowering that we are providing 
And also, I imagine for the people who work with you, um, giving the the weavers and and you know even the models and different people also a new way and a new sense of pride in in what they do and how they're contributing to their own country rather than exporting everything they make, right? First of all, this kind of products that are in the local market, a lot of the money stays in the local market. Uh, uh, so that is helpful. I, I, I mean, exporting for an uh, island nation, 20 million people, exporting is part and a large part of the development growth facility because we have to kind of that's a way to kind of attract uh, you know foreign currencies and all of that so it's part of it but this uh, allows people to express being able to demand that your own culture is valued and uh, and that is the the key difference we are trying to say yeah and do you see this coming in any other companies or any other being this sort of business being about something a bit more than just profits um, taking hold in Sri Lanka at all? Uh, it is actually. I want to give out, a, you know, like a friend of mine uh, runs a company called the English Tea Shop uh, and, uh, you know, they are trying to create new um, essentially organic teas out of Sri Lanka and, uh, you know, um, they're doing a great job, provides a, a lot of employment, good pay salaries for the, the growers. Um, so it, it is, there's a lot of value creation that's happening. Uh, like me, there's a lot of people who have studied, gone out, and seen how value is created, uh, whether it's in culture as a product or physical products like, you know, teas or sarongs or anything else uh, and um, they are trying to do this exact thing uh, sometimes not you know maybe even unknowingly by by protecting they might be doing like that to protect a particular craft or particular industry but regardless by creating high value added products you are essentially providing a self-confidence and a living to the people mm, yeah exactly which I know that you have a long-term vision for Sri Lanka that this is a really key part of. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I see Sri Lanka as a developed country. Um, uh, and roughly, some, by that I mean uh, roughly 40,000 per capita GDP uh, country by, say, 2048 or 2050. Uh, so about a 25-year cycle it takes to kind of grow rapidly, uh, a country would take uh, roughly at least one generation you need uh, to make the, that new generation, the kids who are now maybe 10 years or younger, uh, train them enough and build enough the, the academies so that they end up with, say, $60,000 jobs. Uh, so that transition takes essentially a generation, and that when that generation takes hold or becomes the mainstream of the your workforce, then automatically you have a, a per capita GDP on those numbers. So that's why that's that's my vision, and that's the mission that we are in. And part of the lobby was essentially, in in a sense that building that confidence within people 
that we could actually we should demand development at that scale not be just saying okay it's better you know you know a little bit better than yesterday but we should demand uh, there is n- no difference yeah it's really interesting and and i think um very ambitious of you um you know just <laughs> <laughs> which which doesn't surprise me but but i think considering um you know where sri lanka is perhaps at the moment which is you know still in a bit of a difficult position and also you know one of the things that that i've been seeing um is the need for the business sector and business leaders to step up in the in the face of let's say um corrupt governments or ineffective governments and even institutions which are often not as effective as they should be and so i'm curious how you see if you're seeing that you know you are obviously a um a leader who's doing this in the private sector for a sort of social you know w- with a, an idea around social and political impact I, i'm curious how you see that maybe developing in sri lanka or in asia in general um because you know these some of these places there are really significant um issues with government and and other institutions which should be doing some of this work yeah absolutely i mean uh, so one way to look at this uh it is happening uh the private sector is really uh developing uh it has the potential now uh as much as we like to you know bang on governments i would say the private sector can do a lot more and it has uh many times in fact uh, its um lack of innovation is what driving it to pull down the governments even uh because uh, instead of innovation it goes and asks for protectionism it instead of you know providing better wages and uh, and growing and inc- improving productivity it goes and asks for concessions and you know in and subsidies so uh, in a certain way as much as it's easy to bang on the governments uh the private sector is as much a culprit uh, uh and the leadership of the private sector is much a culprit uh in keeping governments essentially forced by you know keeping jobs as hostage for votes and so how do you see that changing <laughs> <laughs> well i think it, it's it's also the generation of um ceos that are coming uh, i think uh, the generation that's coming after me would uh natively be built into this idea of uh social good uh, they will be natively be built into the idea of environmental issues uh, it has taken roughly maybe 50 years but that paradigm is already built into every leader every business school in the world is talking about climate change and uh, climate adaptation and all of this it so and that was not in the curriculum 50 years ago when most of the current leadership graduated right so um so i i'm very hopeful in that way 
I appreciate your optimism. <laughs> and also perhaps it's due to the fact that you have two very beautiful young boys who I can imagine you're very hopeful about as well for their future. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's the fight, you know. One of these days they're going to come and ask me, you know, yeah. Dad, what did you do did you, in this big fight? I could at least say that I, I did take a shot at it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm sort of curious, are you... Um, you know, I know that getting Lovey off the ground has been a, a really big job for you and, and been, you know, there's certainly ups and downs, as you say, of, of a- any startup. I'm curious um, how you see the next sort of 10, 20 years of Lovey and are you imagining to expand to other things or what, what do you imagine for the future for Lovey? Uh, the future for Lovey is actually very much uh, in its focus. It's it's in the mission because if you if our mission is to create a new Sri Lankan identity, and and that mission is expressed through clothing, um, and it will continue to be that way. And as the sophistication for us, our ideas, our manufacturing capacity, our even distribution or financial uh, strength gathers there's a lot more we can do in that one uh, and uh, you know i i don't see you know i see for the next 20 years us doing this uh, you know and uh, very you know my job is to as soon as possible find the right type of talent <laughs> to come take over <laughs> from me <laughs> Well, I, I think you're going to have a job for a while longer. I'm not, <laughs> you've got a lot of work to do there. Is there anything else you, you want to mention or that you'd like to talk about regarding Lovey or your your ideas? No, uh, I, I mean, first of all, you know, it's thank you for having me on this call. And it's really, really nice that you put this together because, um, you know, the ideas... Uh, uh, what's changing is the currency and and there's a lot happening around the you know uh, Asia in particular uh, it's the most populous place on earth uh, between India and China and you know everything in between you're looking at half the world population and uh, and it's very young it's growing and India is you know China of course is a marvelous growth story and india is becoming even a you know more exciting growth story um so and i think there's so many stories to bring out and what you're doing is essentially being able to kind of highlight and share the learnings and 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 i wish you all the success and uh, in, in that uh, to to make it more even more valuable and powerful yeah well I, I appreciate that. And one of the things that I wanted to do with the podcast is to try to have a really international um, perspective on these things, because I think a lot of what might be driving um, social impact or, you know, these ESG things tend to be very U.S. focused or, you know, um, U.S. driven and even California to be, you know, to be really um, specific. But I think that um, you know, what I'm seeing you do in Sri Lanka, and we had some other people on who are working in, in the Middle East, and I hope to have other guests on from other parts of the world. Um, it's really inspiring. And it's great to see that I think 
perhaps some of the things, um, some of these trends that that maybe started in the U.S. and used to take, you know, five or ten or fifteen years to reach the rest of the world, are actually moving a lot quicker now because of social media and and all of these things. You know, we don't have that lag time. We're all looking at the same Instagram, <laughs> more or less, and you know. So I think there's you know there's a chance for the impact of of these ideas to spread a lot faster and and you know that's really exciting absolutely it's spreading uh, faster and people are learning how to tell uh, better stories and better you know to engage better yeah great well asanka i appreciate your time i'd like to wrap up with two questions as i like to do on each episode so the first one is what is something that has made you laugh this week I tell you, it's uh, my kids definitely make me laugh. Um, <laughs> we we took them uh, very recently uh, to the beach, and uh, in Salamanca actually, uh, and there's some pictures on Instagram. But that was the uh, as you saw those pictures, it was a really fun time. Yeah, they're adorable. And then finally, a shout out. So I love to give a chance for my guests to. Just give a little shout out to any brand or uh, service provider or company that you think is doing particularly good work in the ethical space. Yeah, I think the the like I earlier mentioned the the English tea shop uh, run by a guy called Ranga Herat uh, is doing a great job because it's not only you know been able to add a lot more value high value added products but by doing so it's creating a new business model that maybe other companies can take and maybe they can take and look at it not only in tea but in coconut or some other products so like once that business model is created it is you know it can be learned and emulated and uh, so that's really valuable great well we will put a link to them in our show notes and um Sounds like something uh, that Sri Lanka has, in addition to amazing textiles, amazing tea. That sounds like a really good recommendation. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, Asanka, you've been great. And we will definitely include a link to Lavi Sarong in our show notes. And we will share um, your Instagram, which has you know some really beautiful pictures and and I, I saw on your website today that you ship worldwide. So um, if anyone is looking for a beautiful handmade sarong from Sri Lanka uh, that can be available to anyone, right? <laughs> yeah, this could be to anyone. Excellent. Asanka, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Corporate Activist. Please stay tuned for future episodes and do subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Corp Activist. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any questions of your own or need some advice about corporate activism, social impact, and political engagement, please send them our way and we'll respond in future episodes. The Corporate Activist is brought to you by Stance Advocacy Services and is produced by the good people at the Podcast Boutique. I'm your host, Siri Kalsa. Ciao for now.